0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast known as OK Talk. I am your host, Clinton. This is a placeholder episode here. I'm so pissed right now because while working on an episode for about eight hours, Adobe crashed on me and I lost all of it, every single bit of it. So what I decided I would do is get this one out just to let you know what was going on and to be on the lookout because I have some halloween production coming down for you just in time for the holidays and i did want to take this chance to tell everyone thank you for the response to the 4.0 okay talk i agree it was really great to be back i really appreciate it correspondence is key any kind of communication is really huge it just takes a lot of the muddiness out of things and from my end when I'm doing something, it feels like it's sort of going into a vacuum. And the emails that I got from you guys, Wendy, Robin, a bunch, you really made it worth it. So I appreciate that. There's some fairly decent content here. It just means I'll have to break up a few things, which is probably for the best. Actually, I'm a giver. What can I say? I'm going to string together a couple of things here. And get this one out so that I can get the next one rolling and because I've done it for them so many times I'm going to let the one and only Mr. Andrew Troub of the rock and roll giddy up known as the Greyhounds check him out coming to a city near you all up in that Midwest all up on that East Coast through November go see them if you go and tell them that you listen to the podcast especially since Andrew's on the pod no telling what greatness will befall you when i'm usually around them unless they got somebody with them that gets their feelings hurt i uh introduce them from the stage mr true sent me something a few weeks back and i'll just hand it off to him
1: it's a world of adventure
2: Journey to the far corners of your imagination to a land of myth
3: and magic where dream and reality live side by side to a place that never existed, a time that never was. I'm like a commercial jingle. At first it's a little irritating, then you hear it a few times, you're humming it in the shower. By the third date it's by Menon. Who stands up? So how do you want to do this? All right, George
1: i'll be honest first time we went out i found you very irritating i seeing you a couple of times you sort of got stuck in my head
3: costanza, costanza. 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 the difficulty of it is this you cannot teach a selfish person to be unselfish by any means that is to say whatever a selfish person does she will still do it in a selfish way of feeling hello bj you look well
4: thank you so do you i appreciate you meeting me at this neutral location in this velvet tote you will find the rest of your belongings from my house judy i just have one thing to say
3: really thought we were meant to be together.
4: Well, me too, BJ, I did too.
3: She will be able to do this with extreme cunning, a marvelous self-deception, and deception of others besides. I'm not good at relationship stuff. That's what I'm figuring out.
4: Judy, that's not true. You've had plenty of lovers. BJ, I haven't gobbled a thousand cocks like you think I have. I was trying to impress you.
3: I thought you'd fucked a million guys. I know, and you loved it when I said that. But the consequences of fake love are almost invariably destructive because they build up resentment on the part of the person who does the fake loving as well as on the part of those who are its recipients. Stop deceiving people. A great deal of damage is done in practical human relations by saying that you love people when what you mean is that you ought to and you don't really. You give the wrong impression and people begin to expect things of you which you are never going to come through with. But the
4: truth is, I've had one boyfriend. His name was Dr. Warren Carmichael, and he was my economics professor, and he was 56 years old. One day before class, I followed him into his office, and I locked the door behind me, and I covered his mouth with my hand, and I jacked him off with my other hand. He was fighting me, but I thought it was part of his sexy little game.
3: The minute you begin to become aware of this, uh, it's rather embarrassing. To trust oneself to be capable of love is to take a risk. It's a gamble, because you may not come through with it, and in the same way when you fall in love with somebody else and you trust them, they may, as a matter of fact, not fulfill your expectations, but that risk has to be taken. The alternative to taking that risk is much worse than trusting and being deceived.
4: After he shot, and he shot a lot, he started crying, talking some shit about his son's birthday coming up and how his wife was a great lady.
3: Oh my God, he was married? When you refuse to take the gamble of trusting yourself to be capable of love, you become like a person who cannot trust themselves to have bowel movements. So people who cannot trust themselves to do this endlessly take laxatives. Their whole elimination system gets fouled up needing more laxatives and so on and so forth. So exactly the same thing happens with people who can't trust themselves to go to sleep have to take all kinds of pills. And so also with people who can't trust themselves to love and have to take all sorts of uh, artificial measures to produce the effect of love, they get more incapable of loving at all and they create turmoil and misunderstanding and chaos in human society.
4: did a restraining order on me, so I bought him a Jeep Grand Cherokee to prove I loved him, and he kept it, but I saw his wife driving it one day and that
3: hurt me. There will be disappointments and failures and disasters as a result of taking these risks, but, in the long run, it'll work out.
4: So I went to his son's elementary school and I pulled the boy Laird out of school and I took him to the beach. We ate ham slices and I told him everything about me and his
3: dad. If you don't take them, the results will be so much worse than any kind of wild anarchy that could be conceived.
4: You know, you'd think for a third grader, he wouldn't be able to take all that in, but he was really taking it in and we were really making good friends. Then the police showed up and they tackled me. Me and Dr. Carmichael weren't
3: boyfriends and girlfriends after that. When you won't love and you won't let it out, the thing comes out in the form of self-destruction.
4: Jesus Christ, Judy, you kidnapped his son? That's a lot. Which part? All of it. Okay. You never told me about this professor and how you jacked him. And if all you did was jack him, that means I took your virginity. I would have liked to have known. You give me a lot to think about.
3: Enjoy the rest of your Outback Steakhouse meal, Judy.
4: Good BJ.
3: Because you won't take the risk of loving properly, you will be compelled instead to destroy yourself. To destroy yourself, to destroy yourself, to destroy yourself, to destroy, yourself to destroy yourself. There's destroy something yourself. wrong with her,
4: there's something wrong
3: with me. I don't think that's so wrong. We
4: came by it honestly, and honestly, I think mostly everybody does. I don't blame you if you need to catch a buzz. I build so much armor but ring me alarm I'm in love with someone who's bringing me harm I pick lovers who got monsters and we bond on mental health till they remind me of what's ugly in myself But other than that But other than that I got no complaints and no conversation But other than that I got no complaints and no conversation But other than that, I got no complaints and no conversation. I got no
3: complaints. Believe it or not, George, is it at home? Leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not
1: home. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I am the Amazing Jesus, son of God and master of prestidigitation. Wow! Thank you! Has this ever happened to you? Your followers want a glass of wine, but all you have is water? Well, if you're the Amazing Jesus, no problem water into wine. It's a miracle. John 2.11. Thank you. Mm. Now we're gonna need something to go with all this wine. Maybe some bread? But how are you gonna feed all these hungry people with just one slice? No problem if you're the amazing Jesus. Amen. It's a miracle, ladies and gentlemen. Mark 6.44. Thank you. And now, for my next miracle, I'm gonna need a large wooden cross and a couple of volunteers.
0: No! There's an ancient story that's used throughout time to answer children when they ask those fundamental questions. Where did the world come from? Why did God make it? Where was I before I was born? Where do people go when they die? There was never a time when the world began because it goes round and round like a circle. And there is no place on a circle where it begins. Look at the watch. It tells the time, it goes round and round, and so the world repeats itself, again and again. But just as the hour hand of the watch goes up to 12 and down to 6, so too there is day and night, waking and sleeping, living and dying, summer and winter. You can't have one of these without the other. In the same way, there are times when the world is. the world isn't because if the world went on and on for the rest of forever and ever it would get horribly tired of itself it comes and it goes now you see it now you don't it doesn't like to get tired of itself it always comes back again after it disappears oddly enough the world likes to play hide and go seek you know who else likes to play hide and go seek god but you know god he didn't have anybody to play hide and go seek with but you know what he does he gets over it because he pretends that he's not himself. Mm -hmm. And that way he can hide from himself. See, he pretends that he is you and I, and all the people in the world, all the animals, all the plants, all the rocks, and all the stars. In this way, he has strange and wonderful adventures. You know, some of them are terrible and frightening, but those are just kind of like bad dreams. And when he wakes up, they disappear. Now, when God plays hide, and pretends that he is you and I, he does it so well that it takes him a long time to remember where and how he hid himself, but that's the whole fun of it for God. That's just what he wanted to do. He doesn't want to find himself too quickly, that wouldn't be any fun, that'd spoil the game. That's why it's so difficult for you and me to find out that we are God in disguise. Pretending not to be himself when the game's gone on long enough, all of us will wake up We'll stop pretending and we'll remember that we are all the one single self and God who is all that there is and who lives on forever and ever. Now, you got to remember, God isn't shaped like a person. People have skin, but God has no skin, no shape. The inside and the outside of God are the same. And though I've been talking about God as he or she, God isn't a man or a woman. I didn't say it because we usually don't say it for things that aren't alive god is the self of the world but you can't see god for the same reason that without a mirror you can't see your own eyes and you are so cleverly hidden because you're god (laughs) it's god that's hiding after all now some people will ask why does god hide himself in the form of horrible people or he pretends to be people who suffer and get disease and pain first of all you got to remember that he's not doing this to anyone but himself Okay, it's not like he's hurting anyone. And remember too, that in almost all of the stories that you enjoy, there have to be bad people as well as good. Remember what we said about the difference between darkness and light? The thrill of the story is to find out how the good people will get the better of the bad. It's the same as when we play any game.
3: You are gonna say something clever? Go on, say something clever. See if you can wrestle me to the ground. Come on, let's fight like chickens.
0: No, I... Come on! Come on! Come on, let's have a little punching match. No, no. <laughs> oh. Oh. Come on, fight me like wink a rooster, you weakling, wink here. Please, Tom, stop. 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 I don't,
4: Dude, don't, want, you to, I don't
0: want to, man. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I do want to do it. I not want to do it. Neither do I, Greg. It was a joke, you idiot. You're so hard to riff with. I mean, that is a big career obstacle right there for you. Big. I have a really good friend named Jules that I met a year ago. She was in Atlanta from the Northeast and she's a contemplative and we've been having great conversations and we've been talking about mathematics and I told her that I wanted to read something for her. And this came from uh, The Secret History of the World The reams of mathematical calculations have not come down to us from ancient Egypt, but their understanding of higher mathematics has survived in Egyptian art. For example, the eye of Horus, often represented as the Uja eye, which we now know is made up of a number of hieroglyphs representing fractions, which add up to a total of 63 over 64. If you reverse this and divide 64 by 63, you come up with what has been called the greatest secret of the Egyptians, a number called the comma of Pythagoras. Highly complex numbers like the comma of Pythagoras, pi, and phi, sometimes called the golden proportion, are known as irrational numbers. They lie deep in the structure of the physical universe and were seen by the Egyptians as the principles controlling creation the principles by which matter is precipitated from the cosmic human mind.
2: That's insane.
0: Today, scientists recognize that the comma of Pythagoras pi and the golden proportion, as well as the closely related Fibonacci sequence, are universal constants that describe complex patterns in astronomy, music, and physics. The Fibonacci sequence is a series in which each number is the sum of the two preceding it. Spirals are built up according to this sequence, It is rampant in nature, in the spirals of the galaxy, the shape of ammonites, and the arrangement of leaves on a stem. To the Egyptians, these numbers were also the secret harmonies of the cosmos, and they incorporated them as rhythm and proportion in construction of their pyramids and temples. A building made in this way would be ideal. A hall, a doorway, a window, which had the golden proportion in it, would be ineffably pleasing to the human spirit. And the great temples of Egypt are, of course, busting with vegetable forms, such as the bulrush-shaped pillars and the great hypostyle Karnak.
2: That's amazing. That's just, it fills my soul. It's giving order to the chaos. Exactly. But we don't, but we live in the chaos. And not only do we live in it, they want you to
0: believe that the chaos is. It's the only way.
2: They we're just so far removed from that. We're so far removed from it. I mean, Centuries. Centuries removed.
0: You know what Trey says about that? Read the fucking book. Read the fucking book. This will also just completely flip you out. Okay. God created the world by manipulating and making patterns out of the Hebrew letters of the alphabet. Hebrew letters, therefore, have magical properties, and the patterns they make in Scripture open up layers, indeed great vistas, of hidden meaning. So, Exodus, chapter 14 contains three verses, verse 19, 20, and 21, which each consist of 72 letters. If you were to write these verses on top of one another so that the 72 letters appear in columns, then reading a column at at a time, you will discover the secret 72 names of God. Shut up. Each Hebrew letter is also a number. Aleph, The Hebrew A is 1, Beth is 2, and so on. There are complex connections here. The Hebrew word for father has a numerical value of 3, and the word for mother has a value of 41. The Hebrew word for child is 44, the combination of mother and father.
2: This is insane.
0: The numerical value of the Hebrew phrase for the Garden of Eden is 144. The numerical value for the Tree of Knowledge is 233. If you divide 233 by 144, you get very close within four decimal points to the value of the golden ratio known as phi.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: OK, so that merges into this whole thing about Solomon. David lay the foundations of a temple at Jerusalem, but died before he could build it. And so this task was left to his son. Solomon recorded his magical knowledge in a secret book, which was later laid in the foundations of the second temple in Jerusalem. In Jewish folklore, Solomon's reign was so splendid that gold and silver became as common as stones in the street. And you know why that was? Because there were alchemists back then that could turn regular metals into gold. But because the Jews had no tradition of building temples up to this time, having been a nomadic people, Solomon chose to employ as architect for this project a Phoenician named Hiram Abif. If the building seems, on the evidence of the measurements given in the Old Testament, no larger than a parish church, it was nevertheless crammed with ornamental and unparalleled magnificence. In its middle stood the holiest of holies, lined with the gold plate and encrusted with jewels. It was designed to contain the Ark of the Covenant, containing the tablets of Moses. The angels, whose wings stretched protectively over it, were, as we have seen, representatives of the constellations of the Zodiac. On the corners of the altar stood four horns, representing the moon, and a golden candlestick with seven lamps, of course, the representation of the sun, the moon, and the five major planets. The pillars of Joachim and Boaz measured the pulse of the cosmos. They were so placed as to mark the furthest points of the sun's rising at the equinoxes, and according to the first century Jewish historian Josephus and Clement, the first bishop of Alexandria, they were topped with oratories, mechanical representations of the motions of the planets decorative carved pomegranates were mentioned several times in the biblical account and the robes of the priests were decorated with precious stones representing the sun, the moon, the planets, and the constellations. Okay. (laughs) This is, this is brilliant. So it says there's an undercurrent of a rivalry between Solomon and Harim Abif in some of the secret traditions. The queen of Sheba visited Solomon, but she was also curious to meet the man who designed such a miraculous temple. And when she felt, his gaze on her, she experienced a sensation like molten metal inside of herself. She asked Hiram how he had managed to bring the beauty of the heavens down to earth and the architecture of the temple, and he responded by holding aloft a Tao cross, a cross in the shape of the letter T. Immediately, all the many workers started swarming into the temple like ants. There are traditions preserved in the Talmud and the Quran that the temple was built with the aid of a mysterious insect able to carve stone called the Shamir. As with this image of the beehive, we have here an image of spiritual forces which he was able to command with his staff. Three of Hiram's workers were jealous of his powers. They decided they wanted to know the secrets of the molten sea. They ambushed him at the end of the day as he was leaving the temple. When he refused to disclose the secrets, they murdered him. It is said that certain secrets died with him that will still be lost to history today, but the secrets divulged in the mystery schools and secret societies ever since have been lesser because of his loss. Isn't that crazy?
2: Yeah, that's that's just intense. I mean I, I was like picturing all that as you're reading it. It's this glorious scene and then the guy gets murdered. I mean that it's that's just it's wild. I
0: love it. The Solomonic legends are pretty fantastic. I pay attention to my horoscopes, not in so much as I think that they predict what's going to happen for me, the way that it's been kind of bastardized in popular culture, but that understanding the cycles of the planets and when things connect. And we had that big conversation last year when I would send you those screenshots after Atlantic City, now that you have this new audience, this, that, and the other thing. Do you remember all that?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: It's that somehow that's divination that, oh, you can't be looking at that kind of stuff. Leads you astray. That's the dark magic. Da, 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 da. But I mean, the freaking Old Testament says it says in Genesis that shit was created for signs and seasons. I mean, it's in the creation story that the reason that there are lights in the firmament is for signs and seasons, Right. And and again, that's something that's completely lost today. Alchemy, those disciplines in academia, those used to be taught to everyone, especially people that were well to do. That's what's fascinating to me is when the people on this planet decided they couldn't handle that shit anymore and they got rid of it. They plunged the world into what is l- literally known as the Dark Ages. Yeah, my god. That's what it's called. It's like it's laid out in front of me. The crazy thing is, is just in doing all the research, have I finally started to grasp it. I took to heart that shit. This story, it's called The Golden Ass by Lucius. In the description of him, the first thing that you will see that he uh, was an initiate of the mystery schools of Isis. He's brilliant, does all these great things. And then he comes back, settles down in Africa, and he meets and marries a woman. She's wealthy, and she dies and leaves all of her fortune to him. And her family (laughs) was so pissed that they brought charges that he murdered her and used dark magic to persuade her and then poisoned her and killed her. And his defense that he used in the court... Is so brilliant and it it survives today called a discourse on magic where he just eviscerates these people for basically being jealous that they didn't give a shit about her while she was alive. The fact that this guy who literally is in the top social circles of Greece, that he would have to go and defend himself against the charges of magic and being a sorcerer all the way back when. That's the thing that, I mean, I make the jokes about it, about being crucified. That's the kind of shit that happens to people that, say,
2: that talk about this stuff. <laughs> so it's basically evil. I, I agree. It stems from the darkness, the shadow, as you like to call it. Fear, I guess, even, right? Yeah,
0: it, things that they can't control, things that they don't understand. That's why what I was telling you the other night about the way that Jesus has been presented is offensive, and he would be the first to say so. And that that's sort of the rub with whatever you want to call them. These envoys from divine beings that come down to spit knowledge is that usually there's someone close in their inner circle that betrays them or they get in trouble because of someone close to them. The entire message would get twisted and then become the, the symbol of the thing that he didn't want to do. That's sort of the reason why the shit is secret. It's so powerful that it will, it can cause quite a stir. And over time, you get to a point where you can start to get into it. And it's just like you wouldn't take a three-year-old and put him in front of a college class and have him try to speak on mathematics, no matter if he became the smartest person in the world, because he wasn't ready to. It's the same. Once people are ready... To do that thing then it the light comes on but until then there's just violent opposition to it they want to say that there that you need some sort of intermediary between you and god and that is wholly untrue the only intermediary you need is to look inside yourself and see that you are
2: yeah, okay so you're the most offensive part is that is exactly what you just said he's the, the main character in the novel or whatever and it's by default because that's just how it was forced upon him because nobody else was able to sort of understand that they were all the character, all the protagonists.
0: He's saying it without the ego. Again, if you take that statement, I am the way, the truth and the light. No man come to God except through me. If you remove the ego from that, because people hear that and they're like, how dare you? <laughs> but the fact of the matter is he's saying like you are the I. You are the way, the truth, and the light. And 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 that's the twist. And every single one of these historical badasses have said the exact same thing. Their messages are almost yeah. identical. We're right. the ones that turn all these crazy dogmatic rules and separations, which are archaic, racist, all kinds of things, you know. Again, religion is the problem but spirituality is the answer
2: yeah it's an ego is is you know yes gotta die that's that's that
0: that, well i mean that is the concept of the dual and to know thyself you must become selfless yeah they always say the simplest things why do they seem the most difficult but that's sort of the golden proportion of it all is that it's right there. Like it's right there. But you kind of have to go through the grinder. Everyone's going to make it. Some right. people are further along on the path than okay. others. And that, and that's it. And that's all. Yeah. And again, the whole idea of I've always thought this, that it steals people's joy or purpose when you tell them that you're only going to be here this is sort of the shit place. Just wait till you get to heaven. It's all about going to heaven and that this process of how do I get to heaven? Well, and then, and then somewhere along the way, just like grace will let me into heaven. What the fuck does that even mean? We put an image of an old man on a throne in the sky and palaces and clouds. All of that imagery we put to it, which makes yeah, it like, even more difficult to understand the reality oh, of yeah. the situation.
2: Cause now we're, we're, conscious beings. This is where it is. This is where it's happening. And you're waiting for your second life.
0: And it also gives the impression that the stuff that happens here isn't that important.
2: Right. That's exactly it. Or that you're trying to perform in a manner that is trying to please somebody for your second life. So you're, there's an agenda, an objective to you performing in this life so that you can actually like, welcome welcomed into heaven in your second life.
0: So when I make that statement about it not jiving well with people, I think there's a huge amount of collective trauma of having the foundations of everything that you built up being torn down, which, again, is the killing of the ego. I think the fear of the death of the ego drives a lot of people to get upset about this stuff.
2: That's basically the foundation of it, right? Because it's like, well, no, what about me? What's in it for me? But at the same time, it's also what people have grown up with. And it's maybe they're not even thinking about themselves, but this, they're, they're just like, well, this is the way that it's always been done. So I'm going to continue to just go through the motions and make sure that I'm doing what I need to do without considering alternatives or keeping my mind open. It's basically enlightenment when you can start really tapping into some of this stuff and figuring out that there's so much more behind it. It's not enlightenment in the sense of you're going to end up in nirvana, right? But it's still... Well,
0: that's the point, though. That's the end goal is nirvana. I mean, the the whole goal is to get yourself to the point where you don't immediately come back. It's to get off of the wheel. And that is nirvana, where all of the predecessor gods are. The rest of us are there. That would be the goal. The mystery schools would try to Make people aware of the fact that when you are dead, you are dead, and that you have a choice. And that then you can come back if you want to, like the Buddha would do that. But you're off the wheel. That is actually what nirvana, what enlightenment means. That's, which I think makes sense. It totally does. It's 180 degrees in the opposite direction of the way that it's explained to Christians
2: I don't even think it's explained to Christians
0: living here. You've got to do this and then you'll die and go to a heavenly kingdom or a place of torment. The end goal that is taught to Christians oh, is the I, other I, end of the yeah, spectrum. Right. The concept of enlightenment and into Nirvana is that you get to that point where you realize it all and you're done. You don't have to come back. You don't have to be reincarnated in to do it again. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. And that is the goal for all of us. The way that people have been told this, that, and the other thing is just all bastardizations and jibber jabber. And I mean, Jules, it's easy talking to you about it because you have such a negative view of the hardcore dogmatic religion. But it's crazy for me. Saying some of this stuff to some of my friends, they'd be like, "You're, you're speaking that false prophet shit, dude." Seriously.
2: Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just I know I wasn't. And I get it. it. I, I I mean, I don't get it because I didn't grow up in like the Bible Belt or like Texas. And I appreciate it. You had to go through all that to get here. Yeah. I appreciate so much that you've always just been digging into it and trying to figure it out and just really like taking all the different perspectives and trying to look at it in a way that's going to make sense for you and then you know going educating yourself and going through university for the past six months and then coming out here and saying what you're saying Um, to me it's like so difficult realizing that eastern and western religion and greek mythology too like all that is so intertwined and to me I get mad forgive me but it's so it's ignorant it's so stupid it's like seriously who are these people that are showing up in these robes and saying that well this is how it is because you didn't come first
0: that but. feeds the ego see that's the thing that's the yeah. problem about it is that one of them is self-serving
2: that's what i mean i was gonna say you can't forsake any of it you you really can't
0: A complete and total separation from the way that you have been taught And what you believe to be the whole point of it all and why you've done these things since you can remember. And then to be told that, dude, you're at the wrong end of the auditorium here, bud. You need to go outside and take a left and then go to the end of the parking lot down there and get on a train. And this was in my face and I wasn't seeing it. It wasn't the right time. But as soon as it popped, then it popped hard enough that it seems like the most basic thing to me. And I'm just going to try to teach people without getting burned at the stake again. That's like, I just would rather not.
2: Well, you have, you do. I mean, based upon what you're telling me and sort of reactions that you get in your sphere of folks that you're with, like there's going to be some fallout, right? Well,
0: There's one person that said that I was, it sounded like a false prophet and he's a really good friend of mine. And
2: I think, I can work on him, but you're exposing them to something that they are uncomfortable with is what it boils down to.
0: To be honest with you, Julie, that's what happens is people can't take it and they go. And I mean, that's just always been the case. And like you said, it does make them look at things that they don't want to deal with because there's a lot of suffering in looking inside yourself. That's for fuck sure.
2: It just, it challenges the status quo. It forces a, I shouldn't say force because that's not the right word, but it it creates, maybe they look at it as like sowing seeds of doubt. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people can't handle that. A lot of people can't handle change. They just want to continue on doing their thing and not have to worry about those sorts of thoughts. And I say that in the most, the nicest way possible because it's just easier. It is. It's easier to not have to contemplate your existence on this planet sometimes. You have a platform, and I think that use your podcast to just sort it all out. Like, just really start to dive. You did the work. Start just having conversations, and people will come. People are going to dial in. You're going to have your community.
0: I think so, too. It is thus that men are builded up into humanity, into possessing the human constitution, including the course of human physical bodies, each such constitution more or less, and usually less, expressing at least a little of these sublime divine powers and faculties. But occasionally, a single human becomes the vehicle, the self-conscious temple of the divine entity within, and then such walks a man on this earth as an incarnate god. Such was the Christ. Such was the Buddha. Such were many, if not most, of the great sages and seers of the past. There is truth in the universe. That truth can be had. And the way to have it is by willpower and perseverance in following the path and forgetfulness so that you will not have your feet clogged by the mire of selfish desire holding you fast on the pathway. There is but one fundamental truth in the universe simply because there is but one boundless all. All of the great sages and seers, therefore of necessity have taught that one truth, felt it, experienced it, and hence the teaching of all of them was one in every essential characteristic. No matter in what age they taught, no matter what language they used, no matter what figures of speech they employed, in each and every case, the essentials of their teachings were the same. The truth was one. And this is the truth regarding nature, structure, operations, and laws, visible and invisible. Not only was, but today is the secret doctrine, the archaic wisdom, the religion of mankind, of which faint echoes even today are heard in every human mind, which is not wholly asleep, and in every human heart, which is not dead.
2: That's on point. It's beautiful. That's exactly where you're at. You should read that like every morning when you wake up and that's your mantra.
0: He has this really rad thing at the end about, The esoteric Easter. Every great mystical event of the ancient religions and philosophies of the world was commemorated in a feast. The Easter one was originally known as Oaster or Estre because of the Germanic inhabitants in the northern European countries. In those lands, it took the form of a celebration of the vital forces working in the springtime when the new life is surging through the earth and affecting all of earth's children. When the trees begin and the flowers begin and a new hope is singing in men's hearts. How is the date of Easter reckoned today? According to the Christian fashion of doing so, it's figured this way. Easter falls on the first Sunday, following the first full moon on the date of, or the first after the spring equinox, which I always thought that was funny that Easter would move around. Like, when is it supposed to be? How do we know when Easter is? It's the full moon, you dummy. Like the Jewish calendar was all about the moon. Their months went by moon, but the Christians, the majority of them did not like the idea of celebrating the resurrection of their savior. Jesus Christ, although he was a Jew on the same day in which the Jews commemorated their Passover, they were very largely of opinion that their Easter festival must be celebrated on a Sunday, the day of the sun. Thus it came that after a great verbal debate and infighting at the Council of Nicaea, people don't understand, the Council of Nicaea was the shadow actually coming to form because it determined what is in the Bible, what we were going to get away with, what we weren't. This pivotal time. Seems like it came directly out of the Lord of the Rings, I swear. The Northern European people had a habit of celebrating the Easter festival of spring by sending eggs, colored or otherwise, as gifts to each other. It was a pagan custom long before the Christians adopted it. It was out of the apparently inanimate and senseless eggs comes a living being. Omne vivum ex ovo, which means every living thing springs from an egg be it small or great. The egg, therefore, was a symbol of the resurrection of life. This mystic symbolic idea centering around the germ of life enclosed within a relatively senseless encasement or body, which is the egg. (laughs) But that germ within the egg is a living and working entity growing wonderfully, mysteriously, marvelously in time, assuming the form of the content of the individual to be born from the egg and that one day the egg bursts and the entity comes forth, the fledgling, the chick, the human being, for the human life germ is a cell which is in an egg also. Brother, with this gift of the symbolic egg, symbol of the new life to be, I hope that you too will soon break the unfolding egg of the lower self, the personal man, and that having broken the shell of your personal being, you may step forth as the master within.
2: That is badass. Isn't it badass? It is.
0: I love it ladies and gentlemen friends and enemies lovers haters well-wishers detractors i got a deal for you look you can't all be as lucky as me and live in the great state of texas not only that the piney woods spiritual and mystical for many many reasons and because i am a man of great renown I have accumulated many friends. You are looking live in the den of a legend. This is a barbecue master. A rare opportunity is afforded to you. Sure, you can't come down to Texas and see our beautiful women and eat our fantastic food. Well, I mean, you can because everyone's coming here because it's kind of the tits. (sighs) But I have an offer for you to where you can have Texas delivered straight to your gullet. That is correct. My friend, the famous pitmaster Shaw—he's the one that put the famous in Stanley's. Multiple time award winner for best ribs, a brisket master. The guy will slap your meats. Mail order barbecue opportunities. Mail order barbecue opportunities. We've got a small operation. No kidding. If you hadn't seen the YouTube video, <laughs> maybe I should just play the audio. But uh, it, it, yeah give him a shout via the email pitmastershaw at gmail.com send him an email and mention I want Clint's meat in my mouth in the subject line of the email and you will receive a discount again that's pitmastershaw at gmail.com come here girl let me slide that meat in your mouth it's terrible absolutely terrible what are you talking about what is this pornography no You are, in fact, the one that is perverted. Thank you for listening to OK Talk. Uh, I will see you here shortly. I'm really excited. Really excited. Stay in touch. Love you. Bye.
5: This is Dallas, Texas. We have good meat on the grill mexican fireworks football and nice looking ladies with big up tops and a talk radio podcast with my best friend clinton and apparently sasquatch i'll tell you what
0: coming up this season on okay talk 4.0
5: Say my friend is like scared of midgets. I mean, like she is like definitely scared of. It. Just like we used to have a midget who would hang out. Like he was like on call, right? And he was just the nicest guy. He had the wife who was also a midget, which is amazing. So, anyways, we're we're at this party. And he walks in. He's been the MC all night. And he walks in, and she goes and hides in the kitchen. The midget gets naked. He does a strip tease in front of everybody. I mean, his legs are short, but his penis is really long, and it's like kind of like a tube sock. Like, he finds her in the kitchen, and he's like doing his little helicopter, and she freaks out. He runs away. He goes and gets on the Chase Lounge, and he starts fucking her shoe. What? Don't even know why. (laughs) I have, I don't know. Anyways, she freaks out, and then he notices that she's freaking out, and he starts to chase us. And in my head, I'm like, why? I don't know why this matters. But she's freaked out, so I'm freaked out, and we start running down the hallway to the big, like, to the door, right? And the entire hallway is lined with mirrors, so all I see is like her running in front of me. I'm running with her. I have a purse in her shoes, and there's this fucking fidget in her dick. Is just like <laughs> down the hallway to the elevator. I'm pushing the button. She's pushing the button. Doors open. Doors are closing. And then he's he's like yelling at her, and his dick's still going around. I'm just like, oh my god. What? He's, he didn't have a knife. Like he's like, he a dick.
2: Word on the street is that Lincoln's killer, John Wilkes Booth, was not killed in Virginia like the history books tell us, but instead fled to Granbury, Texas where he went by the name of John St. Helen. There are even reports that he now haunts the Granbury Opera House where he often performed. But upon his deathbed confession, John St. Helen confessed that the pistol used in the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln could be found in the second floor floorboard of the AP Gordon Hotel. So their sheriff communicated with our sheriff, who went up with a crowbar and a deputy. Sure enough, pulled up the floorboard and there was located a pistol.
4: Someone sat on the bed. Like I could feel a presence sitting on the bed next to me every night my mother comes to stay there and she has to stay in that room so she's getting ready to go to sleep and she sees this man like looking through her boxes and he's all excited and and then he goes to the bed and he sees her and he's like oh look what we have here and he gets ready to sit down on the bed and my mother like jumped up and ran to my aunt who was staying there was like there's something in that room what is it what is it and she's like I think it's the okay.
1: ghost.
0: Is there anybody back here? Did you hear that?
2: Did it say fall? That's what it said. No, we're not gonna fall. One day, we were cleaning, um, and a guest, she comes out of 102, and she was like, there's a footprint on my ceiling that wasn't on my ceiling.
0: There was a footprint? It's
2: still there. It's still there. At the top of the ceiling. You, you got to be Spider-Man to climb like
0: that. What? Yeah. What's your name? Carla. Carla. Hi, I'm Clinton.
1: Clinton. Nice to meet you, Clinton.
0: Can we catch up later maybe? Yes!
1: Call?
0: You think Bigfoot's a demon then? Yes. Oh, did you know I'm seventeen
1: and I'm yeah, listening three, and I listen to two, the Savage two, three, Nation. Ten,
0: you are. You're seventeen? Yes, and I listen to the Savage show. That's awesome. You got a girlfriend? Uh no, not yet. You ever seen a girl's boobies, Jimmy? Uh no. The the pupil was a vertical
1: slant. Not round like ours, not round like anything else, it was a vertical slant, and then you know, studying so much zoology that's indicative of you know an ambush ambush predator that's nocturnal. It
0: smells like sulfur. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. At least uh, at least not like uh, recently. Oh, okay, okay. Great. Um, I hope.
3: You love so that you could be there and not even know. And you say, So what? I'm doing just fine. The irony is that it's all in your mind, and that's why hell is so vicious and cruel. But you'll just go on an oblivious fool you just go on and oblivious fool you just go on and oblivious fool What a fool you just go on and oblivious fool You'll go on and oblivious fool You'll just go on and oblivious fool fool You'll just go on and oblivious fool You'll just go on and oblivious fool